0: Welcome back to the Spirits Guide Podcast. This is Rich, your guide to the intoxicating spirits world. I want to start out by thanking everybody who has been listening to the full episodes of the podcast, taking time out of your day to go on this journey with me. It's been incredible. The feedback and the response has been unbelievable. Uh, You guys are out there kind of helping me to justify why it is that I do what I do Uh, And the connections that I am making are, they're just incredible. I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, I say all the time that I'm humbled that anybody out there is even interested in what I have to say. Uh, But the fact that, like I said, you're taking time out of your day to, to spend a little time with me, listen to what I have to say, and then take more time out of your day to actually respond and give me feedback. It's just absolutely humbling. I can't thank you guys enough. Now, on this episode, this is part two of my conversation with my great friend, Peter Thomas, where we talk about Bob Marley, his music, his life, all while drinking some of the most amazing Jamaican rums that we can get our hands on. They are mind-blowingly good. In fact, as I sit here and record this, one of the rums that we tasted on the episode, Peter Thomas was nice enough to leave me a sample from his bottle of which is the Plantation. It's a 22-year-old rum that is just out of this world. We'll talk about it in the episode. Also, at the end of the episode, when I was putting this together, I came across a, a file that before Peter and I recorded the rum episode, we had done a sample size Monday recording for Allspice Dram that for one reason or another never got released. So I just kind of felt it fitting to include it in this episode. The sound isn't great. I I get it. Uh, We hadn't really figured out the microphone positioning yet, but the content is there. The conversation is great. And, you know, hopefully you guys appreciate and enjoy that. And if you like what I'm doing here, if you like the journey that we're starting, please go to Spotify, go to the podcast page. Follow the podcast. You'll get notifications when new episodes drop. Find that little five-star button there. Give us a rating. It just helps us, you know, when people are looking for podcasts, it helps to kind of populate in those searches, the more ratings we have um, and the more followers we have. Follow on Facebook uh, where you can leave reviews and comments and the new episodes post up there as well. Follow me on Instagram where I'm posting pretty much every day things that I'm drinking, things that I'm drinking at work, Uh, also the books that I'm reading or the music that I'm listening to or shows or movies or whatever it is that I'm watching, whatever it is that I'm doing while I'm consuming spirits tends to get posted on Instagram. You can also message me directly there and a lot of you do and I appreciate it. It's, It's great to connect with you guys and get some feedback, and communicate, and just sort of make new friends and new family through this. Now, if you want to reach me directly, you can email me, thespiritsguide89 at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, email me if you know there's a sample that you have that you're curious of my thoughts on, uh, if there's something we've tasted that you would like to get a sample of. If I can, I will get you a sample of it. Uh, if you have a show idea... Or if you just want to come hang out and be on the show with me, I would love it. Uh, I'm always looking for new people to hang out with, talk to about spirits and, and the other things that connect us as humans. So you can email me like that. All right. Um, hope you guys enjoy the episode. It's really good stuff. And again, Peter Thomas, wealth of knowledge. Uh, Thank you so much for being here, for being part of this journey, and especially for leaving me. This sample is absolutely delicious. Mm, So good. Uh, All right, guys. Enjoy the episode. We'll check in with you guys soon. Uh, Cheers. All right. We are back. I tell you, I'm having fun with this. It's kind of everything I, I've wanted to do for so long. Music is such a huge passion of mine, and obviously spirits are as well. It you all know, ties
1: together. You know, and,
0: you know, the whole concept of Bob wanting to connect people, this is what this is, is I'll let you pour that. You. Um, so, yeah. Back to Legend. Again, big influential album. Number one selling reggae album of all time. Great intro, I guess, to reggae. Um, My kind of experience, too, with Bob is I get to see two of his kids perform. You saw Ziggy. Uh, I, actually, I saw Damien and Steven ah. together, co-headlining. And then a couple years ago... The Wailers still tour with Rita. Oh, okay. And there's a guy who kind of looks like Bob, who does all the the lead vocals. Mm -hmm. So I saw the Marley Kids at the Hard Rock. Wow. And that was the first reggae show I had ever been to. And it was, you know, I've always said it's kind of impossible to listen to reggae music and be in a bad mood you just can't it's mm-hmm. which is kind of a, a a funny thing too but like it's hard to hear the music and be angry like it just makes you uh feel good and being at a reggae show for the first time i was like wow they, everybody's dancing there was a lot of people smoking weed in the hard rock like if mm-hmm. you looked around it looked like stars in the sky but it was yep
1: not surprising. No.
0: So I think it was just before it was obviously before it was legalized in Massachusetts. So it was probably a little bit before vape pens and things of that nature were readily available. Kind of the irony, and especially going back and watching the documentary is yeah, all these songs sound really really happy and like I said by the time I came into Bob, he had already been deified mm-hmm. but when you listen to these songs they're dark oh yeah they're they're war anthems you know things Absolutely. like buffalo soldier and uh get up stand up you know zimbabwe uh one of the ones that i i, I thought was fun was in the documentary they talk about the song big tree
1: mm-hmm.
0: which i had heard big tree so many times and never got that there was a correlation between his old record label that had renamed themselves Big, Big Tree. Tree. Yeah. And they were the small acts chopping down the people who had, you know, done them wrong. Mm-hmm. Or the song uh, Cornerstone, which was kind of a shot at his family after they rejected him and he went home and wrote the song about, you know. How the the stone that the builder refuses will become the cornerstone. So yeah, those songs were actually kind of dark and and militant, Some of them, at least. uh, Which kind of goes against his anti-political stuff of, you know.
1: But I think he expected, knowing who he was and the way he was perceived in his community that I think he realized he had a responsibility Mm. and he couldn't necessarily just sit on the sideline. I think he was torn because in the documentary, he even said, I'm not going to choose a side, Mm. but in a way he still spoke out. He was outspoken as opposed to just not wanting to be involved. Mm -hmm. He was very involved. Right. And the lyrics speak for themselves. There's almost,
0: there's almost a Bourdain-esque aspect to it of, you know, Bourdain wouldn't go in and review. No. He would observe and report what he observed, regardless of his opinion. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and maybe that's what it was, is, is Marley wasn't really trying to be political. He was just writing like, this is what I see. This is what it is. It wasn't really an opinion. It was more of an observation. Yeah. And, and
1: but to make it known to the point where the average person would, I think that was his goal mm-hmm. to make sure that he wasn't, this wasn't hidden. Mm-hmm. And because he, I think especially mm-hmm. once he reached such a claim on an international basis, that he had a platform where he knew his message would reach everywhere, not just the locals. And maybe he had that insight where, Hey, if I can go beyond just my community or my Island, I probably can even have more of an impact even without having to pick a side. Mm-hmm. I think he was a lot smarter than people gave him credit for. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I like the fact that when they interviewed him and they said, you know, like,
0: Are you rich and, you know, what are your What's your definition of rich? Do you know what his last dying words were? I did see it in the... His last dying words when he, they flew him into Miami and he was in the hospital and all the family, Ziggy Marley was, who was the oldest. Right. Was in the room and his last words were, money can't buy life. Yeah. That it didn't matter how much money he had, he was he was gonna die. And he was that.
1: totally cool with it. Yeah, I think he he was at peace. Yeah. I mean, he went to Europe, he tried experimental, you know, outside the traditional mm-hmm. medicine norm. And it was funny how they were interviewing uh the nurse who was his primary caregiver. And just to listen to somebody who didn't know him clearly mm-hmm. before he arrived, how kind and how compassionate and how caring mm-hmm. he was as a patient. Yeah. And how
0: moved she was by him. Yeah. And I, I also found it interesting and maybe even distressing, like when they were talking about the initial diagnosis of, you know, it was something under his toe, mm-hmm. um, it was from getting stepped on and playing soccer, playing soccer mm-hmm. which other reports you read say it had nothing to do with that. Right. No, it didn't. You know, that it was something he had and maybe getting stepped on may have brought if, it to the front or right. made him
1: realize what it was. Yeah. Because he had, uh, he had basal cell mm. carcinoma, Yep, which is a skin cancer, yep. but, and of course, because he was biracial, they even discussed the fact, and he kind of he almost laughed about it. Where, you know, it was typically a white, white man's, man's disease. disease. Yep. And he kind of smiled about it.
0: Mm-hmm. But then there was kind of the conflicting of like one doctor supposedly told
1: him he was going to have to amputate his whole leg. Yeah, from the hip from down. The hip down. Um, and then the record producer said, "No, that's no. not true. Yeah, it was just his toe. It was just his toe." But he didn't want to do that because he couldn't play soccer or because he couldn't couldn't dance dance on stage, which to me sounds much more plausible Mm -hmm. because that that would that would literally be like Mm -hmm. cutting off his entire leg if he were to do that.
0: Yep. And then even in the end, when they interviewed the. The Island Records guy, Chris Blackwell, and he said, yeah, I forgot about the toe thing. He had completely forgotten about he it. He said, I think
1: everybody else did because Bob never went nope. to appointments or did checkups or yeah, followed up on Yeah, he never did it. the follow through, which is, no. they're saying, hypothetically, he'd probably still be with us. Yeah. You know? And how interesting would that be? I right know. Right now. Yeah, he, he was born in 1945. Five, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I haven't written down so he, 45, he yeah, 45 very much would be alive. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, it'd be you know, and very vibrant, sick, absolutely, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, with the way he was eating and living, yeah, that, that's the part that fascinated me was how in the videos, how fit and how healthy, oh, how cut, and he, how was. cut he was, and and he. Took pride and bragged about how, remember when they went to Britain, how they would beat up on the, uh, the local the local soccer, soccer team. teams. Yep. Like, yep. they would just, he was a competitive guy. Yep. yep. All right, before we lose sight, yeah. uh,
0: the next rum that we're drinking, Jamaican rum. All these rums, by the way, all 100% Jamaican. Appleton Estate 15-year Black River cask. Um, Black River is the name of the water source. Yeah, that's the water source. I, um, limestone water. Again, 15 years. So the youngest rum in the blend is at least 15 years. Appleton Estate is probably the biggest estate. And well known. In Jamaica too. and most yeah. well known. And most people know of it as Appleton, but it's actually owned by Ray and Nephew, is the parent company that owns it. Um, or it's the parent company
1: in Jamaica that owns that, and then they're owned by Campari. Got it. And they were established in 1749, just to give you the lineage. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, and probably the longest continuously running distillery, distillery. in yeah. Jamaica. And I feel like, again, this is a rum that gets overlooked, and probably because the rum category has been so... Well, it's undervalued. Bastardized yeah. by, you know, Bacardi and Captain Morgan, who kudos to them. They've done what they've done.
1: Their, yeah, their marketing engine, it's a its a monstrosity. But I think when
0: they started marketing,
1: Americans didn't
0: know what to do with rum. No. And so they marketed Captain and Coke and Bacardi and
1: Coke. And that became what it was. And then. And everyone identifies, oh, if. if you if you want rum that's what it is yeah that's which what couldn't it is like. which couldn't be further from the truth no no i mean bacardi doesn't taste
0: anything like the white rums we've tasted absolutely it lacks the the funk and the the vegetal aspects and even captain morgan kind of the shame with captain morgan to me is you know now liquor snobs think of you know spiced rum and right. it's not good and it's spiced and but that was an original style of rum. Oh, absolutely. was yes, that to was... infuse vanilla and cardamom and mm-hmm. in, in spices into it probably as a way to make it palatable. But that was definitely, spiced rum was a thing. Oh, absolutely. That was a whole separate category mm-hmm. and still is. So this one, this was my splurge bottle or one of my many
1: splurge bottles for Christmas. Um yeah, what do we at? but again think about it a minimum and there's more age spirits mm-hmm. than 15 years it Rich knows if you're if you're a bourbon drinker a, a, a simple guide it's not always precise but you're thinking on a price point for every year of age you're talking ten dollars mm-hmm. so in theory if you Take the rules of bourbon. This should be $150. And mm-hmm. I know for a fact this is way under $100. Bucks. It's about $65. 60 dollars dollars something yeah. yeah. So if you're talking value, you know, that's the, that's the benefit if you guys are willing to explore a really fine, really well-made aged rum spirits like this. Because a 15-year bourbon... You're not going to find anything under $100. No. Nothing. Not anymore. And it just drinks
0: like a lighter whiskey to me. It's softer. It's lighter. Mm -hmm. But the oak presence is there. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like some of that young funk and vegetal aspect has kind of gone away. Mm -hmm. And it's just settled into a very mature... Wow. Interesting spirit
1: that... Now, see, this is something that you would want to go back to and revisit because there are just so many layers that are worth exploring.
0: I mean, it tastes like... It kind of almost tastes like the spices from the dinner we just had. Like allspice, nutmeg, Mm -hmm. ginger, clove, cinnamon like they're all there vanilla but without anything being added to it
1: yeah and, and but there's such a refinement mm-hmm. to this spirit i don't like to overuse the word but this for me is just a very elegant mm-hmm. mixture of those flavors it's beautifully presented and is this 40 percent or is it a uh, 43 43. Yeah. You can tell. So again, this is very easy to sip. And, you know, Corey and I talk about
0: it a lot too, when we do the, the videos of, you know, not everything has to be 90, 95, 110. Like no, sometimes in this proof point, this is nice because on a cold Saturday night, you know, sitting with my girlfriend who doesn't drink, this hits. Um, I can have two or three of these, and not get silly. Exactly. Um, exactly. It's just, just the right amount of alcohol to give it body, but it's not over the top where you're going to start getting funky and goofy.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're let's say uh, a cognac drinker, or if you're into wine and you like port. If you want something that is less sweet, it has a hint of sweetness, but it's a little bit of a lighter style. It's not as heavy, as Rich said, to mm. have a couple of these. And and for a cold, clammy, dark, dreary winter night, I can't think of anything better than this. No, I mean... This hits all the, the right notes. This makes me feel like... Like, it's summertime.
0: Something about, I don't know, maybe it's a mental thing where I'm drinking Jamaican rum and I'm listening to Bob Marley and the curtains are closed so I can't see the snow on the ground Mm -hmm. out there. But, yeah, I feel like it's warmer weather out there. And I I think, Mm. like, it's got the the sweet flavor. It's got the molasses flavor without being sweet. Mm Mm-mm. Like, it's got the flavors of those sugars without the sweetness of those sugars. There's almost like a burnt sugar.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. Like a brown
0: sugar, like yeah, a turbanado like, sugar kind of flavor.
1: Yeah, almost where somebody torched it mm. or cooked it down. Yeah, that that is that is special.
0: Yeah. And again, for, for 65 bucks, if you're the kind of drinker who likes your spirits, straight. You don't like to make cocktails. You don't want to be messing around with other mixers. Sort of pour it in a glass and sip it and yeah. whatever.
1: That's That's a go-to because there's enough complexity. There are enough layers where you don't want to overthink it. But this is one where to have a couple of these and just go back and revisit it. You're gonna find something else. You're gonna discover, oh, I didn't get that the first time. Ah, I'm getting I'm getting a little bit more of the the nutmeg. I didn't get that the first time. Yeah, I mean
0: I mean, even at sixty five bucks I don't feel bad about you know throwing uh you know a quarter of an ounce of that into my jerk chicken
1: marinade. Either. Oh, not at all. Yeah, because it's almost, it's got its own spice rack yeah. in in the juice mm-hmm. itself. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious as to
0: where they're getting the barrels to. I don't have that info. Mm. But being owned by Campari, uh, I don't know if you know who else Campari owns in the barrel world, but Campari owns Wild Turkey wild as well. Wild Turkey. So it wouldn't Very surprise logical. me. Very logical. You know with the amount of spice that wild turkey has that makes perfect sense yeah these could be turkey barrels
1: yeah and that's probably part of their business model and planned where they had one-off relationships and now you have these behemoths that are mm-hmm. acquiring these international linkages that makes perfect sense that makes absolutely mm-hmm. perfect sense
0: yeah I, you know for as much as i kind of rail against all these corporate consolidations, every now and then it, it kind of yields it makes sense, you know. For the consumer. PF Ron buying into a, the the rum distillery. Yeah. You're you're getting some great barrels. Um we see it in a lot of other areas of, of spirits now too. What is it? Moet Hennessy
1: bought uh, Woodenville. Woodenville. Yep. In the bourbon world. So yep. yeah, it's nobody anyone that's niche anymore is there is there's always gonna be Some business plan where the the big boy may end up buying the little boy. It's going to happen.
0: It's nice to see, though, um, the other one that immediately comes to mind right now is Kieran out of Japan, who Mm -hmm. owns Four Roses. Kieran's a Japanese brewery. Right. But they own Four Roses Roses. bourbon. They also own Brooklyn Brewery. Oh, that's um, interesting. And some other breweries in the U.S. And Brooklyn Brewery for years has done it. Their imperial barrel-aged stout mm-hmm. is called Black Ops. Well, this year, and I actually have a can over there, uh, the Black Ops is aged in Four Roses barrels.
1: Makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. And,
0: and so, but it's much cheaper now for Brooklyn to get Four Roses barrels because they're both owned by The same Karen, company, so, yeah.
1: You know, so the consumer may... Made- end up benefiting
0: there are some benefits to to corporate consolidation not always but not always but yeah yeah that's true in the spirits world we'll we'll take what we can get all right this wasn't originally planned but as we wrap up we'll we'll go with this um this actually isn't one of mine this is one that you brought and i guess again going forward with the the podcast and what I'm going for, this is sort of the example, this is sort of the template for what I want to do going forward for listeners and, and followers and customers or whatever, is the concept of, I stumbled upon this when I was doing the Roku Jin thing uh-huh. that I did almost a year ago. Uh, it's a concept called Tanashi where... In in Japanese culture, if you invite somebody to your home for a tea party, you spend a year making sure you have the right cups that accommodate that guest. It's not just a general, mm. you're coming over and I want whatever it is I have, you're going to eat off of. When you invite somebody over, it's specific to them. Mm. Um, and so I love the fact that we did this and, you know, everything I did was catered towards you. mm mm-hmm. And, and what I thought you would enjoy in the best sort of expression of me that furthers our human connection. And then you added to it by showing up with this bottle of Plantation Jamaican single barrel. So I'll let you tell the story on, on this one. Yeah. And I did some research. and Apparently, there's a whole bunch of these. Oh, there is. In the Plantation Library. Yeah, it's fantastic. From different islands. and
1: Yeah, so for the listener go on the and rich has already alluded to it go on the plantation website when you have a chance they have what's called a small cask program and there are literally dozens of them and i've alluded to it earlier where they've reached out to brewers in ireland or scotland making beer and they're and they're doing a program with beer they're reaching out to uh, France to work with people that are doing things with cognac. They're reaching out to folks in the wine industry. So they're using wine barrels. And in this case, they, they spoke about this small, and it was kind of interesting. It was almost a throwaway where they're working with this small group in the United States, which is Bardstone, uh, Bardstown, which is, um, uh, a kind of a niche there. I wouldn't say they're it's tiny, but they're certainly not large. Um, for those that are into bourbon, uh, Bardstone is a very good brand. Uh, they've got a Fusion series, they've got a Discovery, Discovery series. series yep. So they're using X Bardstone um, casks in this. This is uh, 100% Jamaican rum. This is over 20 years old, which Obviously caught my eye. That's the first thing that caught my eye. So think about it. You've got 20 years of distillate. And then from there, again, this is their program. They they ship it all from Jamaica um, over to France. And then it's sitting in uh, cognac casks for, I believe, another two years. Yeah, two years in Pierre Ferrand casks. So for a total of 22 years. The distillery right on the label is the Long Pond Distillery that Rich alluded to earlier. The Long Pond Distillery uses exclusively column stills. So this is one of the few ones that's not pot column. And to me, again, it's 49.4 ABV. So this is almost kind of like a a cask strength. I just think it, it just called me. Now, full disclosure, this one... Is not available at Watchu said. I got this one, I believe, at the Highland, and that's, all a, right. that's
0: why we do the spirit Skype. Yeah, because
1: we, we don't. We, I'm not limited to Watchu. Yeah, I want to make sure. I wanted to be transparent, mm-hmm. but this is again, we're talking about 22 year old spirits um, with finishing. So there's a lot of labor. This is probably, I think, it was around a hundred dollars. So it's not inexpensive, but again, for 22 years. I just thought it was pretty reasonable. So that's kind of the backstory on this. And that's 22 years, Jamaica, France. France.
0: Kentucky, back to Kentucky. And then to market. So you're talking, <clears throat> you know, three different countries of aging, fuel costs.
1: And again, similar to when you, when you're thinking of these other uh, bourbon programs that are pitching that they're, they're – they're putting their barrels of whiskey on ships and bringing them around the world and, and knocking it up another 20, 30, 40 dollars. That's simply part of the plantation mm. program. They're not necessarily charging you for that. So this, you're absolutely, in my opinion, I want um, Rich's feedback as well. We've tasted this once, but you're definitely getting the influence of the barrel in this. I feel like you're getting the influence of... And my question, do you
0: know what the original barrels were? No. I've got to assume probably ex-bourbon barrels because I I feel like that's what it...
1: I know they're bourbon, but I don't know the source. mm. Because it definitely... And that's the beauty of uh, of Plantation is uh, of the transparency. Mm. So it's definitely ex-bourbon, but... I, I'm positive that it's not from Bardstown. So you're talking rum, yeah. aged in
0: bourbon barrels yeah. for a long time, then put on a boat, shipped to France, Two re-barreled years in cognac in barrels, barrels, then put on a boat, shipped to Kentucky, put in new bourbon, well, and used, yeah, bourbon and the used bourbon
1: barrels. And those, Bardstown, it was, my recollections, another six to nine mm-hmm. months in the use X Bardstown um, bourbon barrels, so now you're probably even pushing twenty three years. Yeah. it's and crazy
0: at Bardstown because we know that they finish a lot of their bourbons. Absolutely, who knows what those barrels have seen as far as bef- before, before, before they, they, they got it? Yeah, you know,
1: I mean, these could be Pfizer's or Zinfandel barrels or, or exactly. whatever. And I have no, I mean, this is clearly a limited series. Um, I also like the fact on the label they have like in this one they always have uh people that are buying the single cask in this case, the one that I bought uh again terrific transparency uh it's supporting in the weeds and I did a quick Google search and I think it's for green tech- you know green technology and and uh horticulture and I just love the story. It's a great, great story. And that's part of what I love about these things where, you know, here we are talking about Jamaica. We're talking about Bob Marley. We're talking about a journey. We're talking about, you know, how this all transcends, you know, uh, just a spirit, but how this all ties back in where. This is like tying so many different communities together. Yeah. I mean, so when
0: I talked to Amanda and I don't know when this podcast will come out, but if you guys go back and listen to the Wachusett Wine and Spirits one where I get to talk to Amanda Beckwith, you know, we talked about all the Mm. pieces matter. Mm. Like we don't just like what's on the surface. Mm -hmm. I like the pretty flower, but I want to know about the roots Mm. that cause it to be the pretty flower. When you look at this, and again, I can see why this grabbed your eye. The, first, the fact that it says 1998 on the bottle. That's I mean, the first thing that grabbed my that, attention. That's the year after my daughter was born. So yeah. that would grab me immediately. Yeah, it's you know, a vintage. It's 19,
1: I mean, yeah. and again, by law, that's the yeah. youngest juice in yep. the spirit. You know, it says single cask right on there. Uh, it's got the Jamaican
0: flag right on there. It's mm. got long pond. It there, gives you the distillery. I don't you know, I whatever I've been able to find of Jamaican rum, I don't find anything that lists long pond. It's, ever. It's a mysterious it's, quirky uh distillery. You know, all the you know, bottle number two thirty four. It's got the cask number. And all these things on there. The the raised glass on the label. Even the thickness of the mm-hmm. base of the label. Yeah. I mean if you had told me that was two hundred dollars, I yeah. wouldn't even question that. Yeah, and find me a bourbon that has all those marks for that kind of money for a yeah. hundred bucks. That has, if you brought me a, a bottle of Evan Williams that said we were distilled in nineteen ninety eight and aged for twenty years, for a hundred bucks, I, I would buy everything I
1: had. Yeah, and, and to Rich's point, how many people? Um, that are, let's, because I'm kind of a wine nerd too, that are, that are enophiles, they'll buy a bottle of like vintage port, or they'll buy a beautiful expensive bottle of Bordeaux. And it's the year their daughter or their son was born. Mm -hmm. Or they got married. Or they got married. It's an anniversary, Mm -hmm. or it's a a, a birthday present Mm -hmm. for their parents or their Mm -hmm. best friend. And they're going to save that. Same thing here. I mean, that that's just such a unique, it, and it's it's going to be a collectible. Uh, and well, yeah,
0: because it's a single cask, which yeah. means it will never be replicated it'll never again.
1: be. It'll never be made again. And again, for those people that really want to get into the weeds, I've never seen any other rum manufacturer, and I alluded to it earlier, where it's giving you the the actual grams per milliliter of esters the grams per milliliter of volatile compounds uh, and not to get into the weeds all that translates to is flavor yeah that's it Hmm. because the higher the numbers are and that that distillation what's coming out of the, the, the the still are the complexity and the flavor because the higher the numbers if you really put it in layman's terms that's flavor. Nobody mm. does that these days. No. No, that's kind of like that's that's kind of the the oz, that's the secret sauce that they don't want to tell anyone and these guys are printing it mm. on the label.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, to me that's very very cool. And I know we keep taking shots
0: at bourbon, mm. but like I don't see any real brandies with that kind of transparency.
1: Not at all. Cognacs, um, don't cognacs do that. Cognacs
0: don't do that. Nope.
1: Tequilas, and again,
0: you know, like there's just nothing that
1: has very that rarely, level. Very um, rarely.
0: And rarely does a spirit get that much better
1: with age. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, because Rich was kind of talking about the regs in Jamaica, <laughs> one of the more stringent islands in the Caribbean, <laughs> uh, zero dosage, which means sugar, added sugar, <laughs> where a lot of the other islands, and I won't name brands, but... I'm sure Rich can reel off more than I can. There are sugar well, I call them sugar bombs where people know what consumers like. They like typically sweet rum. Yep. You're not drinking the rum, you're drinking the sugar yep. that they've added. Yep. And they've and honestly what that does tend to do is mask the impurities in the distillate. Yep. This is this is naked. This yep. is this is all Sugar cane. Yep. That's it.
0: This is for the whiskey drinker, the serious spirits drinker. And by the way, Captain Morgan is predominantly made in Jamaica. It doesn't say Jamaican rum
1: anywhere on, on the a bottle. Captain Morgan bottle. Is that right? Nope. The one that I
0: did find interesting
1: is Myers. Yeah, the dark rum. I saw that too. That is, is Jamaican 100% rum. Jamaican rum.
0: Yep, and they get to put it on the label. So they do I adhere to that.
1: all the standards.
0: That's uh, true. So when we talk about bulk brands... Myers does adhere to all the standards of being Jamaican rum. Mm. Mm. I mean, that you talk about style, talk Mm. about elegance, caramel, butterscotch, all that allspice,
1: vanilla. Yeah, the barrel influence. Mm. But, again, the cognac influence, it's like they've married the best of the Mm -hmm. best of the best.
0: Mm -hmm. And that, sometimes people will ask me, you know, working, like, is it worth that much money? And and in an honest breakdown, I mean, yeah, we talked about the age. Mm -hmm. But single cask, like, if you're, there's certain things to me, like, If you consider yourself a restaurant person, but you've never read Kitchen Confidential, Mm. I don't want to talk to you about the restaurant business. If you consider yourself a spirits person, you should be able to understand that when we open this bottle, when you open this bottle, it tasted one way. Mm -hmm. And every time you go back to it, it's going to taste a little different. Oh, absolutely. Because as the air gets into it and some of the alcohol esters release, like the oxidation a little bit. And overall, this will never be replicated because it's a single cast. That's and it. Every barrel matures differently. So even with the individuality of this barrel.
1: It's evolving. This
0: bottle is going to evolve yes, as you go. And when it's gone, you're never going to get it back. Right. This bottle, to me, is all about living in the moment, appreciating what you've got, when you've got it. And when it's gone, it's a memory. Yeah. You know, And you get to take that with you. The flavors are amazing. The bottle is amazing. The packaging. You talk about starting a conversation. Obviously, you were drawn to it in the store. If I saw that in the store, I would
1: be dialed in on it. No question. So
0: it's definitely going to start a conversation on the bar.
1: And what what brings it full circle for me, guys, is the last thing you want to do is for the, the and I, I don't want to get political, but the the people in the bourbon industry that are that are just out there that know nothing about spirits, that are just in it to to buy it and flip it, they have no intention of drinking it. Mm. But more importantly, the last thing on earth that I want to do when I see something like this is to sit back and and bring it back to my lair and and drink it by myself. Mm the last thing on earth you should do when you get something like this is, is to basically hoard it to yourself. Mm-hmm. This is meant to be shared mm-hmm. amongst friends. It's the first thing I was so excited when I popped this and drank it. And the first thing that came to mind is I got to share this mm-hmm. with rich. Yep. I mean, cause I know what his mind set is. I know what he appreciates and it's, it's the time and the place and the moment that Rich alluded mm-hmm. to, too, because there'll never be another moment like this. No,
0: no, this is it's it. Not,
1: this is it. That's mm-hmm. this this one time and place. And the last thing you want to do is be, you know, sitting in your apartment or wherever you mm-hmm. are and you can't share this and have mm-hmm. a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. It would be a it would be a crime. Yeah. And I guess that's the, <clears throat> the fitting kind of ending to
0: the whole yeah. Bob Marley thing of, you know, that's what he, he wanted. wanted to bring his music to everybody so that Absolutely. everybody would kind of come together. So I guess in, in wrapping up Legend. Favorite song in the album? Oh yeah. That, that's, a, that's a hard
1: one. That is a hard one. I I've I've thought about this. Um because people have asked Marley that question. Yeah. And he's never, to me, I don't think he's I don't think he's ever once been interviewed where he named one song. So I saw an interview with Ziggy.
0: I think it was Ziggy. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure it was Ziggy. Where he said Redemption Song was his favorite. Um, Which, by the way, is considered to be the last song he ever recorded. Mm -hmm. It's the last song on the last studio album that was released. There's been a bunch of albums released since then uh confrontation was released so redemption song was on uprising Mm -hmm. which was again the last studio album confrontation came out after that and then legend came out in 84 Mm -hmm. Um, but it's considered to be the last song he ever recorded and it it seems to be kind of one of those anthem songs that gets played um for a lot of you know, movements and, and sure. events that have happened across the country. I don't... The more I I kind of got into this, the more Exodus became my favorite album. The album, yeah. Because I, you know, like we alluded to, he self-imposed his own exile to England. Mm-hmm. He recorded that while in England. England, yeah. Um, so it was kind of the height of his sort of creativity when he was taking in other musical styles mm. as well. And it, it's kind of the song that, I don't Legend is, is wild to me in that you put it on you go like, all right, I, I don't really want to listen to this song. I'll, but, you know, and then you listen to it all the way through mm-hmm. and then, he, you know, I've heard Three Little Birds so many times. Uh, yeah, all right, I'm not going to skip that one, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One Love, all right, and you just realize you're listening to it all, all the way over through. through. Yeah, it's true. Exodus, to me, is kind of the one that, I don't know, makes me move and... Or could you be loved? Exodus or could you be loved are the ones that kind of go between rock and
1: reggae, reggae the most. And what is what, what do you think has the most universal appeal? Because what I enjoyed in the documentary, when they're rolling credits, which I think is the personification of Marley is they had lie and some of the clips were like black and white, where they were showing through every, almost, it seemed like every major country in the mm-hmm. world, scenes where local kids, usually younger population, were playing Marley, or there was a Marley flag, or something with the music mm-hmm. in the background, and that to me, is what transcended Marley, which, to have that universal appeal, and I don't recall exactly if there was one dominant song that was being played. Yeah, there was a few. I think there was.
0: Um, I, they definitely, I think they went from Three Little Birds to One Love, and, and they went, there was a couple they, of they different did songs. through some of um, the, his hits. I, I guess I would also be remiss if I didn't mention... When I, I mentioned, like, like Bob Marley is kind of ingrained in your DNA. And mm. I don't remember exactly when I first heard him. When my daughter, who hopefully will will listen to this at some point, when she was really little, five or six years old, mm. she was visiting with me and we were painting or doing some clay work or something. And I had Bob Marley Legend playing in the background. And she couldn't have been any more than six. Mm -hmm. And Three Little Birds came on. And I will never forget this. And if she's hearing this for the first time, it's almost going to make me tear up. Um, I don't know that we've ever even had this story. But I was sitting on the couch. She was at the coffee table in front of me. And she's drawing. Three Little Birds comes on. And I realized she's singing the words to Three Little Birds. I don't know where she ever heard the song before. Or the lyrics. Or the lyrics. Or how it got ingrained enough into her six year old brain where she could just sing along to it spontaneously, and it wasn't like she perked up and sang to it, it was she just kept going, and it just It was like a stream of consciousness. Yeah, it, was, it was just like a stream of consciousness. Yeah. I will never forget that moment for as long as I live of her being a child and just singing that. So, I think there's something to the music that is so basic. In simple mm-hmm. that it's easily accessible to everybody.
1: It had to be. It had to be.
0: But when nerds like us who dive a little deeper look into it, you also realize like it's incredibly complex. And oh, very much so. Maybe that's the beauty of Bob Marley music is
1: it's simple to be accessible, but it's complex. Yeah. Depending on how deep the dive you want to make
0: yeah you know and,
1: and the music was fun and peaceful oh absolutely but the
0: lyrics told a different, different story as well that's of, true. of a reality so yeah. there was this one love but there was also a war mm-hmm. and they were all kind of wrapped up and I think it's it's a rare thing in this world to be something that really can touch everything
1: oh yeah in From... in every possible way yeah to go from dark to light, in, in in literally one concert, yeah, and to be able to be successful in in reaching such a diverse group, but also that you started the conversation at the beginning of of generation, yeah, and I to me that speaks to his genius, yeah, because not too many people. I mean, let's face it. You know, the Beatles can do it. I mean, the Stones. I mean, you can reel these off and you can get into maybe even Hendrix. You can talk about Miles Davis if you're talking about the United States. You can talk about Aretha. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, There are not too many people that have that genius. No. And I think he clearly was one of those. And that global Yeah, like you said, Miles here.
0: Stevie Ray Vaughan Here. Here. And maybe a few other places. The Beatles. The Beatles kind of go... But the thing in the documentary where he went to Japan and they didn't speak any English in, yeah. and they knew all the words exactly. to the song. Um,
1: yeah, that's... That that's to a me rare, is a mind blower. That's a why... A thing. Watch the documentary, guys. Don't leave... Wait till roll credits and at the end mm-hmm. to see people that are, that are very poor living in, in very poor conditions like in India... And they're singing Marley songs and probably have never met the man. Mm. And Mm. yet he had reached out and somehow made a connection Mm -hmm. to Rich's point. Maybe not in an entirely complex uh, deep dive perspective, but in such an innocent, approachable, just wonderful spirit. And that's clearly how I think he connected on an international basis.
0: There's a purity to it. And again, I think it's the the teacher in the teachings thing. Like, yeah. You know, there's, there's some sort of, I don't know what other person could get away with having 11 kids with all those different mothers,
1: <laughs> not having still, fights and not having and got along any of them along with Miss world. Yeah. Along with Miss <laughs> Miss world. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah.
0: This was awesome. I feel like there's so much we probably left on the table too, because there's so much more to talk about with Bob, but with Bob Marley, don't sleep on it. If you oh, yeah. if you're one of those people who's lived in a cave all your life, go out and buy legend. Don't get too attached to it. Go deeper. I get some of the earlier stuff is a little hard Ooh. for me to simmer down and some of the ska stuff. But everything from like Rasta vibration on. Mm. Um look into Rastafarians. Like that's fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh but Exodus is incredible sort of blends all genres and, and things and don't sleep on rum. Oh no. You know, it's much like Bob Marley. It's everything to everyone, whether it's white rums, dark rums, cocktails, sipping. It's a, it's a little bit of everything. And in the end, share the music and share the rum with, yeah. with people you share the experience Yeah, with all of it. Without a doubt. I'm going to pour a little bit more of this as we go out. Um, I know soon you're heading down to Florida. <laughs> Thank you so much for oh,
1: this was a pleasure doing as this usual. and being
0: here. And, uh, it's probably not going to be the last time we talk about rum. It's not going to be the last time we talk about Bob Marley. It's definitely not going to be the last time you and I speak. Yeah, we'll do another. And we'll probably have to do a phone in because, you know, you're going to that awful place where it's I know really warm. Uh, they drink rum down there too. Yeah, yeah all right cheers my friend Uh, i'll talk to you guys soon cheers and we're live so yeah here we are it's sample size monday i'm here in the studio with peter thomas um yeah it's awesome it's great to have you here
1: great
0: to be invited and uh yeah we're doing uh, usually sample size. We do those little 50 milliliter vials. But as we're getting ready to record some fun stuff later on, this one seemed appropriate. And it also proves that we drink more than just whiskey. So what we are sampling tonight is St. Elizabeth's Allspice Dram. Very, very aromatic. Um, clove for days. Yeah, Clove. Uh, allspice dram gets its name from allspice berry, which in Jamaica is also known as pimento, uh, and I believe it gets its name because it tastes like all different kinds of spices: uh, cinnamon, clove, nutmeg, peppercorn. Almost reminds me of clove cigarettes back when I was bartending in the days when people could smoke inside.
1: Or, or if your grandmother ever made uh, a baked ham and put the
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the little clove sprigs inside. So, again, sample size. We don't ever go too deep on, on backstory, but just a little kind of notes on it. The base liquor, Jamaican pot still rum. Uh, from my limited research, uh, this is basically a stock item in every kitchen in Jamaica uh, for cooking. And then as the tiki kind of cocktail movement came about, people realized it was great in cocktails. It's a nice bitter herbal component. Mm. Now, that's actually the first time I've ever drank that straight. Um, It's not as the nose to me would have suggested like a cinnamon challenge. Like I just kind of expected like dry powder on my tongue or maybe almost too mint forward mm. where it's masking
1: and it's absolutely not at all.
0: No, this is, um,
1: God, that's delicious. Yeah. I have
0: not hit this neat. Yeah. Because, you know, you're a kind of a cocktail guy at home you and where I was headed. Yeah. So, Big, obviously, lion's tail is is the big cocktail. Doubt. But any tiki drink, this is going to add to. I wish I had thought of this, and you know, when you had messaged me about it, I had already marinated the the jerk chicken for mm-hmm. for dinner. But I wish I had thought of this beforehand and sure. kind of thrown some in the marinade. Makes a great marinade. Makes a great cocktail. But I'm also thinking just as a pre-dinner sort of aperitif.
1: Absolutely. Just almost very similar to an Amaro.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a more sort of. And it's much more
1: constrained. Uh, It's very, it's viscous, but not overly.
0: Not sweet.
1: Yeah. It's not overly sweet at all.
0: Yeah. It's got, it's got like the body that would kind of make you think that it was sweet. It's got that sort of thick, not thick, but almost syrupy kind of mouthfeel yet. It doesn't have the syrupy kind of sweetness to it.
1: No, no. In the back palette, it's not sticking to the back. This is fantastic. Yeah. On
0: its own. Um, 22 and percent. So 45, uh, ABV. And yeah, I, this may be my new sort of after dinner mm. or, you know, aperitif digestivo kind of sipper
1: yeah there's enough of the brightness of the cinnamon the clove the nutmeg to really balance that sugar Mm. so they know what they're doing i mean this is really really tasty yeah Uh, so the the tradition of the west indies there you go
0: yeah um made by macerating
1: all spice berries in
0: in the rum, so it's basically just letting it sit there and soak it up. You uh, full transparency, if you go to the website, yeah, it's brought back to Austria, I right. believe. Is is
1: yeah, produced in Austria, but there's no question the the source. It's all Jamaican.
0: I almost want like. I'm craving like cherry, like a like a Kirschwasser or something to kind of balance, balance that out. out yeah, I'm,
1: I'm thinking other cocktails, which I'm sure there are plenty. Absolutely for tiki, there's something that's that's in there. But yeah, to balance that off,
0: almost even some sort of Negroni twist there. You
1: could you could sub this out as far as I'm concerned for either the sweet vermouth. I'm even maybe. yeah you could you could do a negroni with this yeah i never thought
0: about that i'm almost thinking like and depending on the gin um you got to have the right gin but gin you know what a negroni with that in the Luxaro sour cherry cherry gin gin. yeah i that could be spot on so yeah in the three-tier rating system is it good absolutely um, Is it worth the money? I forget what I paid for it, but I want to say low under 20s. 20 bucks. Yeah. yeah. For the
1: 375, mm-hmm. most places you're looking low 20s. And mm-hmm. If you really love it and you want to bump it up, it is available in a 750. Page. Yeah. And those are like in the 30s.
0: Yeah. I like when things like this are available in that 375 too, Absolutely. because it's a very powerful flavor. So sometimes a little bit goes a long way. You don't always need a lot, although I kind of wish I had the 750 on that now.
1: And does somebody who wants to try it. Yeah. Low risk.
0: Yeah. And I think, does the bottle start a conversation? Absolutely.
1: It's got a cool wooden
0: stopper Mm. top. It's very narrow. Long, long neck to it. Yeah. Um, Just the fact that it says all spice dram makes you kind of wonder what is is it. So, So
1: yeah, if you want to start a conversation,
0: mm, that'll do it. And I the difficult thing with this to me is it's not everywhere. I don't see this in a lot of liquor stores. Um, I know from being in the business that it comes from a quirky distributor. So it's not a a vendor that I deal with. Um, I had to pick that up at, at total. Total. Um, and I think Julio's has it. Those are probably the only two places I've ever seen it. Um, but worth the trip to either one of those stores if what you I can bet. find it. Um, so there it is. We'll let you guys get back to your Monday night. Uh St. Elizabeth Allspice Dram hits all three marks. Absolutely delicious. Uh cheers.
1: Cheers. Yay!